Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ox. Welcome back to another solo episode. And we do have an exciting one today. So let's jump right into this shit. So the first topic that we have up, you guys might have seen this on Twitter yesterday. So Twitter apparently suspended an account that gives updates on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So there was an account that every day something happened. And this account is also active on Instagram as well. And they would give they they would give information every day, the main bullet points of what was happening to the trial in real time. They had a very uh or they still do have a very picturesque Instagram where it's labeled clearly day by day with the trial happenings and the there were journalists behind this that were doing a very good job at covering the trial and giving very in-depth details and Twitter suspended this account and we'll get into the account names and I'll also link the Instagram and Twitter in the description of the podcast description of the video so you guys can at least follow them there so let's get into what happened yesterday yeah okay bring the article up so twitter this is an article from fox news fox news baby uh now now i feel like my dad because i'm reading a fox news article in the morning he always sends me fox news articles at 11 o'clock in the morning and he'll show me the the latest world happenings through the eyes of Tucker Carlson. So I typed in Ghislaine Maxwell account suspended from Twitter and Fox News was the first one that popped up. So let's get right into it. So foxnews.com, the, tw- the title is Twitter suspends an account providing Ghislaine Maxwell trial updates. Twitter claimed that the account violated rules against platform manipulation and spam. So, it reads, a Twitter account that closely monitored the trial of former Jeffrey Epstein partner, Ghislaine Maxwell, was suspended on Wednesday after the tech company claimed that the profile was violating rules against platform manipulation and spam. The Maxwell Trial Tracker, which was at Trial Tracker account, I believe it's the same thing on Instagram. Let me just double check so I can give you guys that in case I forget to link it. All right. So Maxwell trial tracker. Yeah, it's it's trial tracker on Instagram at trial tracker. So same thing. If you guys want to follow it on Instagram, it's still there. So the Maxwell tracker at trial tracker which has only been active for two weeks, had roughly 525,000 followers at the time of its suspension. Twitter did not immediately respond to Fox News Digital for comment. Now, this is the owner of the account, the holder of the account. He says, I woke up this morning and the at trial tracker account on Twitter was suspended. All the other accounts that I have made in the past were also suspended. This was the only note that I received, said the account holder of the Substack page, the free press report. 
and here's an attachment. He says, uh, Twitter sent him a message saying that he violated the rules of platform manipulation and spam. That's the bold heading. And then he, uh, the message goes on to say from Twitter, it says, you may not use Twitter services in a manner intended to artificially amplify or suppress information or engage in behavior that manipulates or disrupts people's experience on Twitter. So you can't manipulate or disrupt people's experience on the platform of Twitter, which, I mean, if you've been on Twitter, every, you know, 80% of the tweets are people trying to disrupt or manipulate your experience. If you have a Twitter account, and I do myself, I'm not as active on it, but I, I use it now more to kind of observe, get snapshots of what's going on, see what's trending, ideas for podcasts, do research on guests, things like that. Watch the world burning down is also another fun activity you can do on Twitter. You can just take a front row seat to the way that the world is is burning to an absolute crisp. And then you walk outside and you go, oh, it's not, it's actually not that bad. So that's something fun to do on Twitter. So every single tweet, every person is someone trying to disrupt your experience by being on Twitter. That, that's the idea. You send out tweets and you try to get people to pay attention to you. You are taking the experience that that person has of being on the platform, of, of reading through their newsfeed, and you say, okay, what is a take I can have on this to disrupt that person's stream? Because that is the idea behind every single post. You want to post something on Instagram, Twitter, uh, you know, TikTok, whatever, that's going to cause you to stop and watch. You want to disrupt the person's feed and say something like, hey, you know, uh, black people, whatever, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. And that's why, I, I mean, it's a, an entire, entirely separate discussion but that's why Twitter has become so toxic because the idea of Twitter is to manipulate people's experience and disrupt people's experience that you have to say the divisive thing to get people to stop. You can't just have a normal take. You have to say something overwhelmingly reactionary, whether it's positive or negative, so that people love you or hate you and that it gets retweets. That's the idea. We, we live in a society of en engagement. And so I find it uh, high, hilarious and hypocritical that Twitter is uh, going against this guy and suspending this guy for doing the very thing that is innate to the platform, which is manipulating an experience, disrupting experience through the post. That is their entire business model, is to have people get on Twitter and you organize your feed in a way you, you can curate your feed and then people are competing to say, hey, how can I get into your experience today? How can, how can I do this? How can I do that? And then Twitter runs ads on that. And then that's, you know, that's the business model of social media. It's an engagement. And then the message from Twitter goes on to say, note that if you attempt to evade a permanent suspension by creating new accounts, we will suspend your new accounts. Uh, if you wish to appeal the suspension, please contact our support team. 
Then it goes on to say, the Substack post indicated that according to Twitter rules, the Maxwell trial tracker account was artificially amplifying information. The free press report asserted that the Twitter's account's engagement was organic and denied any form of outside amplification. The post also said that they had reached out to the tech company to appeal the suspension. Again, everything on Twitter is artificially amplified. Most of Twitter is just blue check marks, journalists, actors, a lot of liberal people. That's what Twitter is. If you look at the numbers, it's uh, mostly, uh, it's overwhelmingly censored towards the liberal side. It's blue check marks jerking each other off. That's what Twitter is. Everything on Twitter is artificially amplified by the mechanism of Twitter. It's that if you have a certain point of view and those other people who share point of views that are also powerful on Twitter retweet you and shout you out, they will amplify artificially each other's takes. And it is artificial because Twitter is not representative of the general population. The people that you find getting retweeted the most on Twitter are not the normal takes. And again, it's overwhelmingly liberal. It's, you don't see a lot of conservative takes going viral on Twitter. There are a few, but it's certainly not even in terms of censorship. And it's ironic because everything everything is artificially amplified on Twitter. And the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, this whole Jeffrey Epstein situation, is the one thing right now that everyone is organically interested in. Now that the the Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial is over, and and people were very interested in what was happening to Kyle Rittenhouse on both sides. People wanted to see him get off, which he eventually did, and other people wanted to see him burn. And it was a very divisive period on Twitter. And now that's over. And we have something where everyone is organically interested on the same side. Everyone wants to see uh, this woman go away because of her involvement with Jeffrey Epstein and uh, child sex trafficking and all the fucked up shit that she was a part of and either saw, saw happening or orchestrated to happen. And every finally, we have one thing where everyone's like, yeah, put this fucking, you know, pedophile liaison in jail organically. You don't need to artificially amplify this. This guy was just simply sharing facts from the trial. And Twitter shuts it down, calling it the exact opposite, calling it artificial amplification, which it's not. And I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm very confused. And it, it's, it's just ironic that the entire, this is the one thing we can all come together on, and Twitter's getting rid of this. There's also, there's also an article from earlier this year about Twitter's, uh, like Twitter has a pattern of this with protecting child pornography, which is weird because uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell, however you say it, she was involved in underage sex with women, with girls, and giving those girls to older men, older men in power. 
And so there's an aspect of underage child sex there. And then back in January of 2021, an article on New York Post where Twitter refused to remove child porn because it didn't violate policies. And there was actually a lawsuit. And this goes on to read that Twitter refused to take down widely shared pornographic images and videos of teenage sex trafficking victim because an investigation, quote unquote, didn't find a violation of the company's policies, a scathing lawsuit alleges. The federal suit filed Wednesday by the victim and his mother in the Northern District of California alleges Twitter made money off the clips, which showed a 13-year-old, a 13-year-old engaged in sex acts and are a form of child sexual abuse material or child porn. The suit states, The teen, who is now 17 and lives in Florida, is identified only as John Doe and was between 13 and 14 years old when sex traffickers posing as a 16-year-old female classmate started chatting with him on Snapchat. Doe and the traffickers allegedly exchanged nude photos before the conversation turned to blackmail. If the teen did not share more sexually graphic photos and videos, the explicit material he'd already sent would be shared with his parents, coaches, and pastor. So I don't know what's going on at Twitter. This is not the first time that they've allowed, uh, that they've been involved with some sort of child sex situation here where they're directing traffic away from an alleged child sex trafficker, Ghislaine Maxwell, by suspending the account that's literally just tracking what's going on in the trial. They're not in opinion. Uh, This is not an opinion column. This is not a guy trying to be inflammatory. He simply, like, you can go check it out on Instagram, um, at Child Tracker, and he's, this guy is posting what's happening every day. He's giving recaps. He's giving... Details about testimony, just different things that are coming up with evidence, and nothing is left up to opinion. He's just saying this is what's happening. It's it's the opposite of artificial amplification. So Twitter has done that. They're directing traffic away from a alleged child sex trafficker, and then they're allowing child porn to stay up on Twitter. And I had this dark thought where I'm like... <laughs> Dude, this is, if, if there was a pedo, if there was a pedophile running Twitter, if, if there was a pedophile that was the CEO of Twitter, this is exactly how he would run the company or she, whoever it was. Someone, some parent calls the, the CEO and says, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned about these, these images of, of children. They're on Twitter. Uh, John, we, we need to take these images down. We, we need to take these videos down. They're inappropriate of children. And we cannot have these images being shared on the internet. And John, the CEO of Twitter, is just like listening to the parent and just like fucking jerking off to the images on Twitter and being like, yeah, this is, this is such a bad problem. We're, we definitely... We definitely need to get rid of this. You know, it's 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 something. It, it it should never be on Twitter in the first place. And and also, uh, another thing: if you're the CEO of Twitter, and someone brings to your attention the fact that 
there are child sex images on your website. What kind of person do you have to be for the first thought in your head to be, okay, well, yeah, I mean, it is child porn, but let's see if there's some technicality or something in the fine print of our uh, user agreement where we can keep these up there. I mean, I know it's wrong, but like, let's let's refer to the rules. Let's let's see if there's something. Let's call lawyers. Look, look, I know it's child porn. I know it's wrong, but let's let's see if we can leave it up there in a technicality. I'm 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 not saying we're going to leave it up. I'm not saying it's going to stay up there. Let's just check the rule book though. Like like what kind of person um do you have to be to leave child porn up on your website knowingly it's not like these images were just buried on twitter and they were changing the captions and hashtags this is this is a lawsuit ongoing where the images were left up there and now you are you have a trial that everyone is interested in that is uh, that very may uh, well lead to an alleged child sex trafficker being put behind bars and the ceo of twitter is like ah let's how can we take the heat off this bitch how can we take the heat off Ghislaine? How can we how can we help this this woman out? You know, we look, I know I know she was helping presidents and and princes and powerful people fuck kids in the ass, but like let's just think for a second here. Let's just think what should we <sighs> Ghislaine Ghislaine Ghislaine. What can we do to protect this woman? And it's like I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the the CEO of Twitter is a pedophile, but like, what would you do if you were a pedophile and you wanted the, and you were making allegations, uh, or you were making rules for Twitter? You would, you would want the uh, the pornography to stay up there, and you would direct traffic away from people who were committing child sex crimes because. That's something you want available. Just food for thought. I don't know. Just I'm just putting together things in my mind. I'm a dumb person that reads articles and my creative net starts casting things together. So it's like, what kind of person is this new CEO? I don't know. What uh what uh I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a good faith reason for all of this. Maybe Twitter is keeping up child porn and directing traffic away from an alleged child sex trafficker because they want Ghislaine Maxwell to get on Twitter like O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson was a huge boost for Twitter. He was, you know, found, quote-unquote, not guilty of uh, killing his uh, ex-wife and those the the, uh, the other guy who she was sleeping with and there was the entire saga that I'm not going to go through right now, but OJ Simpson, uh, yeah, fucking probably murdered people. And he came back on Twitter and he's killing it on Twitter. He posts about things and people loved it. People followed him and it was a huge boost, I'm sure, for the Twitter platform base. Because anytime someone gets a lot of followers on Twitter, People join Twitter. People follow them to to figure it out. So maybe Twitter's hoping like, okay, if Ghislaine's not guilty, 
we're going to give her a launch party like OJ Simpson. We're going to we're going to get this bitch on Twitter and we're going to get her some followers and and we're just going to kind of like the the picture of Ghislaine Maxwell she posted in front of a Chipotle or or Arby's or whatever that that weird poster uh the weird picture she posted a year ago of her just reading a book. They're they're going to have a day in the life of Ghislaine Maxwell. She'll go golfing. And she'll post a selfie on hole nine, and then she'll she'll meet up and and go golf in a in a twosome with O.J. Simpson. They'll meet each other on the course, and they'll post about each other's lives, and then eventually they'll merge into one Twitter account, Ghislaine and O.J. And they'll start a reality TV series, and Twitter will fund that reality TV series, and then eventually Netflix will pick it up, and then Twitter will have a cash cow on their hands. But it all starts with supporting Ghislaine Maxwell, and Twitter wants her to know, hey, remember. Hey, hey, Ghislaine, remember who canceled that account for you. Remember, if you're found not guilty, Twitter is a safe place for pedophile. Twitter is a safe place. End of sentence. Um, before this video gets taken down on YouTube, which it probably already has. I don't know. Uh, but the podcast is still up. So, Yeah. So before we get into the next topic, which is how to survive a marijuana paranoia attack, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Oxoro Premium. That's right, Oxoro Premium. I am releasing premium podcast episodes uh, two times per month, two times per month. I'm going to pull up the page up here so I can so I can tell you guys about it. So Oxoro Premium. So if you're listening to this solo, I record four solo episodes per month, and then I put up one solo only for premium subscribers. I, I release, you know, 60-second reels, previews of the premium episodes, but that's all the other people get. The, the full hour-long solo episodes and the, the full hour, hour-and-a-half-long conversation episodes on different topics will only be on Auxora Premium. So every month I put up two bonus episodes. Sometimes both are solo, sometimes one solo, one is more uh, a conversation, sometimes it's two conversations. And so uh, on the Ox, if, you, if you've been a regular listener of the Ox, you know that we've talked about the COVID lab leak, you know we've talked about ayahuasca, dating, MKUltra, the obesity epidemic, alien encounters, UFO, Tom Cruise, the Dark Knight. There are a bunch of subscriber only episodes up there right now and again you get two episodes two bonus episodes per month and you also get to submit topics and question suggestions for the the ox solo episodes for the ox uh topic conversations where i talk with my brother and also friends and we just shoot the shit on a lot of the topics i just mentioned and then you also get to submit topics and questions for the guests i have on my other podcasts the Oxoro podcast where I talk to doctors, scientists, creatives, athletes, and and we just have a good time. And so right now for less than five bucks a month, for $4.75 per month, you can sign up for Oxoro Premium. When you sign up for the year, it's $4.75 per month. Or if you want to try it out month by month, it is $7 per month. Uh, again, $4.75 if you sign up for the year, $7 if you sign up monthly. So you save $27 for the year when you sign up for the year. You can also do a free trial. There's a free trial for seven days. And uh, if you really wanted, you could 
binge all the archived episodes and cancel your subscription. Um, I thought about that. I was like, what if people just binge everything during the free trial and cancel it? But then you wouldn't get the the two episodes per month. So you can check it out, do the free trial, see if it's your taste. And then you can also now gift a subscription to someone else. So if you're feeling frisky around the holiday times, you enjoy this podcast, your friends or family, uh, you think they might enjoy it too, you can give them a subscription. Go to auxoro.supercast.com. Again, that's auxoro.supercast.com. Link will be in the podcast and video description. Again, that's auxoro.supercast.com. Yes. Okay. Let's get back into it. All right. So the next topic... Twenty-five minutes. We're rolling. The next topic is how to survive a marijuana paranoia attack, and this is a clip from the Duncan Trussell Family Hour episode two seventy. And I'm going to play the clip. Uh, and I recently listened to an episode with Duncan Trussell and Sam Morell, and then I went on a, a binge of some clips from the Duncan Trussell podcast, and I love it. Definitely go check out Duncan Trussell's podcast, uh, The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And this is an excerpt from episode 270. So I'm going to pull it up on Riverside, which is a great platform to record podcasts, by the way, if you are a podcaster, riverside.fm. And I'm going to play the live clip of how th- this excerpt uh, where I'm not sure exactly who the guest is because it didn't say on YouTube, but it sounds like either a doctor or someone who is familiar with the the medical side of, of the, the biological reactions of marijuana. So I'm going to we'll, we'll listen to this clip and then respond to it and go over it. So let's dive in. Duncan, let me ask you a question. Is not- I'm going to put on my other headphones for this. All right, all right. Just plug in the headphones. And here we not go. One of the reasons you like smoking pot is because it down-regulates fear. And so you can get at ideas and parts of yourself and all kinds of stuff that, and, and execute plans in the world that would be too scary under other conditions. Yeah, you know what? With I, I would say this is why I, li- I like more of the psychedelics, which are a little more gentle with me. Marijuana, it does not downregulate fear for me. <laughs> it, uh, it freaks oh, me the but, fuck but, out. Duncan, you want me to fix that? Yes. I'll fix You'll never have that problem again. I'll fix that for you right now. Oh, my God. This is the greatest podcast of my life. It's going to take about three minutes, but here – okay, so let me – so first of all, um, you're, smoke, you're probably smoking some sativas – more than indicas. Um, but at the front end of any marijuana high, but really true with sativas, you get a big, big push of dopamine, right? Yes. And dopamine, it, it feels great, but it amplifies pattern recognition, okay? Yes. You read Abundance, and we talked a second ago about, hey, the brain takes in 400 billion bits of information a second, yes. right? So the biggest problem the brain's got to solve is, oh my God, I got a shit ton of information. I got to sort this. What's critical? What's important? Well, the first order of business for any species is survival. So where does that shit go first? It all goes to the amygdala, your danger detector, right? right? And this is why most people, and this is work done done at Berkeley, um, most people take in about 
six to nine bits of negative information for every one bit of positive information they take in. Okay, this is just normal conditions. That's what the filter does, right? The fact that we're, you know, that's, that's what the amygdala does under, under normal conditions. So one of the reasons, by the way, you want to negotiate with fear is so you can stop taking in so many things because we no longer live in an environment where everything can kill you, right? right? You need it that, that heightened. Um, so like that's part of the negotiation with fear. That's, that's critical. But here's the problem. When you smoke a shit ton of pot, you get more data per second right? Because of the dopamine and you get more pattern recognition. Unfortunately, your filter is still going to find nine negative things to panic about and spiral off to everyone positive. But here's the cool part. Dopamine only peaks for about 20 minutes. So from the time you smoke pot and that paranoia starts to come on, what you got to say to yourself is, oh, Look at this. It's heightened dopamine. I'm starting to really pay attention to all the negative stuff. If you allow that negative thought to connect to another negative thought to connect to another, once the emotion gets into the system, once the fear is in the system, you're fucked. You can't get out of it. Right. Because the dope, right, and the, it's too strong. You'll never win. But you can say to yourself, oh, wow, massively heightened pattern recognition really amplifies stuff. So for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to only pay attention to the positive thing. So when the negative thing comes up, you go, all right, I see that. And that's important. And thank you for telling me about that. But I'm going to pay attention to that about 20 minutes from now. I'm not going to disregard it because that would be bad. Thank you for telling me. I'm going to pay attention to that about 20 minutes after I have less dopamine in my system so I don't panic so I can actually lend it. My, you have a negotiation with yourself based wow. on facts. And honest to God. And so and just train yourself for that period to pay attention to the positive and just like when the positive comes up, you look for it. What is the positive in the negative? All hunt for it. And then how does it link to another positive? Wow. And just all, so all you got, and it will take no, if you do that for a month to two months, you're going to rewire your brain. Your brain's going to stop hunting for the negative because marijuana, one of the things it's phenomenal for, um, and this is not my research. This is Mitch Early. It's like 30 seconds USC left. Before he 30 went to seconds University left. Kentucky. It's phenomenal state-dependent learning, right? So people make the mistake. They think marijuana is really good for sitting on the couch and watching funny cat videos and eating Cheetos because yes. that's what they first did when they were stoned. But if you, what you first did when you were stoned is you used that to create great music and you trained yourself to do that, it would never dawn on you that this was actually good for eating Cheetos on the couch. Right. Right. State-dependent learning. So if you reprogram kind of the front end of the marijuana experience this way, spend a couple months doing it, just paying attention, practicing, you'll you'll you won't have this problem again. All right, all right, all right. Let me put the other headphones back in. Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna fire it up. Yeah. All right. See, I knew my keeping these old bad boys around with the wire would come in handy for listening to live podcast clips versus listening on the uh, recorder right here. Because these are every time I see someone with wires on their headphones now, I I think what a peasant, what a what a peasant still using headphone wires. I'm I'm offended by you using headphone wires like. Get 
get with the program. I, I just want to open up a box of AirPods to that person, like an engagement ring. Just get down on one knee and present them with wireless headphones as if, can you, can you please, will you, will you please take this symbol of modern day society and stop living like a pilgrim with headphone wires? But now I'm like, uh, I kind of like them. Like, it's kind of like I'm revisiting the past and they're, they're useful. So, okay. So just to recap, cause I want to go through a few of those things because I am someone who personally suffers from I don't want to say, I don't want to say suffer because it sounds like a a disease and and, uh, this is something that you can work on, but I'm someone who definitely succumbs to paranoia attacks and and panic attacks when I smoke weed and my weed smoking experience started out like many people's do where I smoked for the first time got a little bit high and then after that I could just smoke gigantic gigantic amounts on a low tolerance and get just super high not one paranoid thought would enter my mind and that happened for two to three years the first time I smoked was I was 17 playing summer baseball or 18 playing summer baseball this was after my freshman year in college and then for another year year and a half um, possibly even two years I went just you know, smoking probably once a month because the NCAA tested for weed. So I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to smoke that much. And and then I had a just a horrible crippling panic attack where I thought I became this giant orb of negative energy that everyone was going to see. And everyone, I was sitting in a couch with a lot of other athletes at Richmond and a, a lot of other friends of mine. And I was convinced that everyone was thinking why am I still here because I was giving off this negative energy I, I, I was convinced that everyone wanted me to leave and, and the the paranoid attacks kept feeding each other and, and the anxiety and eventually I went to my bed and uh, fell asleep and then after everyone else went to bed stole some of my roommates food and then went back to sleep which is the way to do it and so I, th- I think this information can be useful so the the first thing that uh, this guy was talking about on the Duncan Trussell family hour is that people take in six to nine bits of negative information for every one bit of positive information. So that's how our brains are wired. And he didn't say what this was in the clip, but I assume it has something to do with survival, that if we're early humans and we are in a situation where we're surrounded by predators, we're surrounded by threats that it's better for our survival and better for our well-being, better for our DNA to pass on uh, its own genetics, to pass on itself, if we're taking in the negative threats over the positive. So I have no idea, but I assume it's something about survival, that when you're scanning an environment, you want to see the negative threats first, and then if you take in positive information, then that's just a cherry on top. And so apparently, when you smoke pot, you take in more data per second because of the dopamine. So the nine to one ratio still remains intact, but instead of taking in nine bits of negative information and one bit of positive information in the same period, 
it might be two to three times the ratio. So 18 bits of negative information and two bits of positive information or, or 27 bits of negative to three positive. And when you're high and that dopamine spikes in the first 20 minutes, that can be overwhelming, which makes sense because it's always the beginning of a high where I feel the most paranoid. It's always the beginning of a high where I feel those anxious thoughts start to crank and they start to feed off each other. And then I have to tell myself, all right, it's okay, bud. Let's take a step back here. And we'll, we'll think about this. Just, just, we, we just gotta get through this next 20 minutes. Like the way, the way that, uh, a medic on a battlefield would talk to a soldier that just got shot in the stomach, like, like a medic would be like, come on, you just gotta make it through this 20 minutes. Like we're home. We're going to be on the hospital. We're going to carry you to the stretcher. Like, just hang on, just hang on. That's the same way that I talk to myself when I'm having a panic attack, when I'm high. I'm just like, come on, just get through 20 minutes, get through this and you'll be good. I know it feels like your heart's going to explode in your stomach and your brain's splitting apart and you can feel everything everywhere, but just hang on. And then it stops and I'm like, all right, that's fine. So... Yeah, the first 20 minutes, apparently it's because of the ratio, because we're taking in more data points because of the spike in dopamine. And so this guy says, all right, the first 20 minutes, it's very important to say to yourself, this is heightened dopamine. This is not the world turning against me. This is not even pot doing something medically harmful to me. This, this is... I'm simply, I have a raised awareness of what's going on. And because of that heightened awareness, because of those more data points, I'm naturally taking in more negative things. It's not because more negative things are actually happening, but it's just because I'm able to see them now. It's popping up in my brain. And he says, once the fear is in your system, you're fucked. That's what the guy, he said, once the fear is in your system, you're fucked. It's too strong. You'll never win. So you have to recognize the negative and have a negotiation with yourself to focus on the positive for 20 minutes. Just ignore the negative. Just put it aside for now is what he says. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's really fucking easy to say that. And this would be my question. This would be my hesitation with embracing this as a way to work through something, especially like anxiety. When you are anxious, and this applies to being sober too, when you're anxious, your brain can actually transform the positives into negatives. So my question would be, what if, you know, there's all these negative thoughts popping up into your head? Like, I I have no idea what I'm going to be in five years. I'm broke as fuck. I just got six parking tickets i'm up to my debt and eyeballs i still have student loans um my girlfriend's a fucking bitch like all these things that are popping into your head and then the one positive you see maybe you're you're looking at a a plant in your apartment and then you think wow what a beautiful plant at least with all these negatives i have this plant and then because you're high as fuck you think, oh yeah, this plan is beautiful. It's beautiful because it's alive. And oh my God, if it's alive, it can fucking turn against me. Holy shit, has this plant been listening to my thoughts? Did this plant just call the fucking cops on me? You just fucking 
spray your plant with it. You're just, I don't know why you have an Uzi, but yeah, you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. And then the, the negatives take hold. So it's like, what if the positives you're paying attention to start to transform themselves into negatives? That would be my question is that it's easy to focus on the positives, but when you're anxious and when you're anxious and high, it's hard to hold on to a positive. A positive is like a positive is like a wave in a negative ocean. It's positive, 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 and then eventually it just like crashes back to the wave of anxiety. It crashes back into the ocean of uh, anxiety and bad stuff. It's like, yeah, sure, the positive is up here. It's up here for a little bit. And then it just fucking crashes and mixes with all the shit. And now you're, it's back into the ocean. So it's like sometimes you feel like you're grabbing at nothing when you're high. You're grabbing at nothing. You're just grabbing at positive thoughts that are fleeting. And uh, not really sure, you know, not really sure what to do in that situation. I, I've been, you know, completely out of sorts multiple times, many times, you know, at least 10 to 12 times. It's happened to me where I either have a full-blown panic attack when I'm high or I get very fucking close to the edge and then I start to come down. And the a lot of these experiences have been difficult but not been enjoyable. And I don't blame the weed. I, I think weed, some for some people, it just vibes with genetics. Some people, I have friends no matter what state they're in, they, they, they are the brokest, just... just just not like like if you looked at their lives um there are people i've smoked weed with where it's like this person should have all the anxiety in the world and they smoke weed and they don't give a fuck and i look at and then me i have so many reasons why i should not be anxious i have a great family i have a good job i'm working on podcasting i do exciting things i go on trips and then the weed takes hold of those thoughts and then it it gets amplified kind of kind of like the way that uh, things get amplified on Twitter. My, my anxiety gets amplified uh, on weed, just like the way that Twitter amplifies child porn or protects them. That's a good analogy. So callback. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes I don't know. One of my friends, Dave Robinson, who is on the episode before this, if you look at the hundred mile trek. I spoke to Dave Robinson and he's been on the podcast many times before and we, we've talked about weed and freaking out. And one of the things he told me is to say to yourself, I took the medicine and the medicine is working. So when, when you smoke weed, you're taking it because you want it to do something to you. You're not, you're not surprised when it does something to you. And when something is running through you, it doesn't always have 100% positive effects. So something I've started to say to myself since um, the few times I have smoked weed is I've t- I took the medicine, the medicine's working. I've smoked the weed, the weed is working. I've smoked the crack, the crack is working. Whatever you, whatever your choice, no judgment here on the ox. Just know that if you ingest a substance in your body and that substance is supposed to alter you, when you feel the effects, that means that it's working. And that has been, I suspect, a source of a, a lot of my anxiety in the past is that I have an idea of what it's like to be high. I have an idea of what it's like to be faded. And it's this, I just want all the worries to go away. I, w- I want 
no negative energy. I want no paranoia, no bad thoughts, which doesn't even happen when I'm sober, far from the truth. But for some reason, when I go back to weed, I, I tell myself, you know, this is going to be the time where not a single negative thought doesn't happen and I'm just going to enjoy myself. And in a way, it's disrespectful to the drug because weed is a powerful drug. And I, I think people should be educated on that more because weed is seen as a thing where you smoke it and you let go. You, you kind of weed is a chill drug. But for a lot of people, including myself, you should be ready for a difficult or semi-difficult experience when you smoke or don't smoke or smoke less. That's another thing. I shouldn't be taking huge bong rips and smoking half a joint to myself when I haven't smoked in two years. And I've done that before and it's terrifying. In the few times I've smoked uh, since like 2019, I probably smoked three or four times. I take baby fucking hits because I smoke once every five or six months, maybe. Take two baby hits or like one like medium size but still baby hit and like I could feel it I, I kind of I feel the bodily effects slightly I don't really get a lot of the paranoia and that's the most enjoyable state to me because I have a super low tolerance and, and I think I had a window where I could get high as fuck and not get anxious because my anxiety I was I was blocking a lot uh, blocking out a lot of the anxiety and then eventually through life circumstances and I, I was also going through a a relationship that was coming to an end you know a breakup at the time and I think a lot of those things came together and, and pushed me into my full-blown panic attack where before that I was just kind of enjoying this free period. Every, everyone has a free period with weed where you can get high as fuck and, and you don't have to worry about it. And I definitely abuse that free period because I remember being in circles and just fucking torching up and, and sending myself into next week and not having a care in the world. And those that was fun as fuck. But eventually you have to pay the piper. You have to pay the pipe. And you have to learn how to smoke weed like an adult and that's different things for different people. Some people might not even smoke it at all. If I do, I smoke very tiny amounts, but I, I do find this video helpful. I, I think that's a good way to think about it, that if you can get through the first 20 minutes, if you can recognize that the reason you're having negative thoughts is because your brain is amplified, is, is that you're taking in more information, that can help you get through those 20 minutes. It won't take it away, don't try to push the negative away, but recognize it, that it's there, and recognize it for what it is. And so that is helpful. And again, even for sober anxiety, when, when I've had anxious thoughts, the last thing I do now is push those thoughts away. Because I know from past panic attacks that pushing those thoughts away is like pressing, like pushing anxious thoughts away is like, pressing the fucking gas on anxiety literally every time you push anxiety away you're like fucking put pressing your foot down on the pedal of anxiety even more and then when you've pushed it completely away and when you feel like you can't move you can't do anything that day you're literally flooring it to the ground with the anxiety pedal and and every time you accept it every time you recognize every time you lean into it which is hard as fuck to do but it works you're taking the foot off the gas a little bit because you're, you're seeing it for what it is and you're facing it 
and you're willing to let those thoughts run through your head that, yeah, yeah, my fucking brain is throwing crazy thoughts at me right now. Yeah. Yeah. My heart feels like it's pounding out of my chest. Yeah. My heart, my throat feels like it's closing up. Yeah. All these things, these thoughts, these physical sensations are happening and I'm recognizing them and I know it's eventually going to go away. And right now it is a part of my existence. And, and to me, that that's why this video is great because it kind of combines that mentality with being high. So hopefully that helps you a little bit. Hopefully you can take some of that into your own experience. And let's get to the next and last topic. The next and last topic, which is an Australian bartender that gave the best speech of all time. An Australian bartender gave the best speech of all time. This is a personal experience. So I was in Amsterdam with my girlfriend this past summer. And we had a wild night out. We, uh, we went to a sex show that weekend. I don't, I don't remember if it was that day or just part of that weekend, but it, it was a pretty, we went out pretty hard and it's Amsterdam and we were exploring and we went to this one bar that was closed and they recommended another bar, which I'm, I'm blanking out on the name. I'll have to get it from her and say it on the, the next podcast, but this bar in Amsterdam, um, or maybe I shouldn't say it because uh, of what I'm about to say, but just know that it, it's a bar in Amsterdam and we were there uh, like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning and the bar closed. Sorry, this, this is... Uh, midnight because it was earlier covid bars were closing early so it's probably around 11 30 11 45 and this australian guy gets up onto the bar like he, he's not uh standing on the bar he's he's the bartender one of the bartenders had these pearly white teeth the whitest fucking teeth i've ever seen i don't know if they're fake or what but they were so fucking white that's what i remember and we're sitting in this kind of cozy, uh, classy bar. It's feel had the feel of an East Village bar in New York City. And we're sitting at a table across from the bar in that hallway where you walk in. So there's not a lot of space. And, and the bartender kind of puts himself up. It looked like he was standing on the ledge. And uh, he's elevated over the crowd a little bit. And he just goes, Oi, listen up. And bear with my Australian accent, by the way, because it's going to be terrible. He goes, hey, listen up. You don't got to get out of here. We're closing down. We're closing down at midnight. But hear the rules. We're going to keep this bar open. We have neighbors. Don't disrupt them. The rule is no smoking cigarettes outside. Or sorry, no smoking cigarettes inside. You can smoke other things. And don't be a cunt. And I was like, damn. Those are pretty good rules. And it, it, it was a longer rant. I can't remember all of it. But the, but the gist of it was that they're, they're closing down the bar and they keep the bar open for an extended period of time. Another couple hours because it was COVID and people were looking to party. And the rules were... You could stay in the bar, 
you don't be super loud. If you smoke a cigarette, you have to leave and you can't come back. You could smoke weed in the bar. People lit up immediately. They're like, hey, uh, let's light up. Yeah. So people were smoking weed. People stayed around for a little bit. And at the end, he just goes, and the last thing, most important thing, don't be a cunt. If you do that, you'll be fine. Just don't be a cunt. And I was thinking, I, I realized, um, I was thinking about that speech this week, and I realized that pretty much all self-help books and quotes, all these kind of self-improvement, self-help books, self-help quotes, whatever they are, can be boiled down to that exact phrase, which is, don't be a cunt. 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 Whatever accent, whatever terrible accent you appropriate, it still applies. And so, yeah, this guy was basically like, listen, you could stay around. You could you could stick around and smoke weed, like letting us smoke weed, letting us talk. But he was like, listen, just don't be a fucking cunt and we'll party after midnight. Um, he closed the door, locked the door. And if you wanted to go out, you would tell him hey you want to you want to go out you want to leave all right but you can't come back in and if you're staying inside just don't be a fucking cunt and so i went through a few self-improvement quotes a few of the most popular quotes sayings that are so cliche that have been told thousands and thousands of time again so the first one is live each day like it's your last live each day like it's your last and the Australian bartender translation of this quote is, Hey, oi, don't be a cunt and you'll have a lot more days. You have live each day like it's your last. Oi, don't be a cunt and you'll have a lot more days. Don't be a fucking cunt. I like the second one a lot more better. <laughs> I like the second one a better lot more. I like the second one better. The other one is, you have the power to make people feel good. Oi, oi, you can make people feel good by not being a fucking cunt. You can make people feel good by not being a fucking cunt. This is the closest I've ever come to tearing up on a podcast because this is so true. It makes me want to cry. And the last self-help quote, don't compare your journey to someone else's. Don't compare your journey to someone else's. Oi! Stop worrying about going on fucking journeys and the West will figure itself out. And then don't be a con. You con? Stop. That a lot of people um, talk about the journey. I mean, I've been guilty of this, talking about the journey of podcasting, the journey of life. Everything you can, yeah, everything you do nowadays can be leveraged into some sort of journey to market to people for a self-help book on how to be a podcaster, how to make money, how to fuck, whatever it is. People take their quote-unquote journeys where in reality, most people just read about shit and then write it without actually living it. And the best way to go on a journey is just to stop going on fucking journeys, do good work, treat people kindly, 
do shit that's fun for you. Respect other people's opinions. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. And last but not least, don't be a cunt. It's the number one way. Every every self-help book, all self-improvement. There, I, I hope to God someone writes this book. This Australian bartender should write the book. And basically how every lesson in life boils down to don't be a cunt. Like you have the lesson. Uh, you, you have the story on one side writes about life experiences. You could even take the life experiences of different people and have the story on one side and on the other side have the lesson and the, the takeaway from every single story, whether it's good or bad, is look, this happened because I wasn't a cunt. Whether it was good or bad, uh, I wasn't a cunt and this was the situation. This, this allowed me to blossom into the non-cunt that I am today. Don't be a cunt. I think it's also funny that cunt is a word for vagina and pussy is also a word for vagina, but they mean two exactly, two different things, completely different things. If you tell someone don't be a pussy, you're egging them on to try to try to do something. You're calling them soft. But if you tell someone don't be a cunt, you're basically saying shut the fuck up. It's like one, you're drawing action out of the person. Don't be a pussy. You're like, Hey, stop, stop trying to be a fucking, stop being a pussy. And now I'm going to, I want you to do this action. Do it. Stop being a pussy. Just do it. And then the other one, Hey, stop being a cunt. You're telling the person, stop doing this. Just fucking stop, bro. Enough. Stop being a cunt. Same, you know, describing uh, the same thing physically, but you know, context wise, completely fucking different. And 57 minutes in, I had fun recording this solo episode. That's basically the approach that I take with these is that I try to think of stories and look up things in the news, media, uh, whether it's, I don't care if it's drugs, sex, politics, you know, creativity, podcasting, art, whatever it is, I try to take a combination of experiences and also a combination of what's going on in current events and turn it into an episode that I'll enjoy talking about. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fucking fun talking about this. If you want, you can check out Auxoro Premium at auxoro.supercast.tech. I have a lot of other solo episodes on there, a lot of episodes. I believe there's 12 or 13 episodes already in the backlog. So like 20 plus hours of podcasts archived already. And then you get the two bonus episodes per month for less than five bucks. If you sign up for the year, there's a free trial. And you could also get gift subscriptions to someone else if you're called to it. I'll see you next week. Don't be a cunt. <laughs>